Well, good morning. It was a great day yesterday to have a, a men's work day. I will be honest, though, um, the work that I did was to take pictures. So for any of the cleaning or any of the stuff, hard work that was done, I didn't do any of it. So um, I got to just sit around and take pictures and go talk to people. Um, I was a little bit out of it. Uh, the whole Friday night game thing uh, really takes a lot out of you, especially coming all the way back from Dallas County. Um, but uh, I was still trying to be here and be an encouragement and uh, take pictures for everybody. Um, if you will, will everybody please stand up? If you can. Um, now, please sit down. Don't worry, we're not going to do jumping jacks or anything. But I could probably convince all of y'all to do jumping jacks because... Uh, for some reason, we have a lot of influence up here. Um, I like how Alex used his influence to get everybody to stand up. But uh, we do. When we're up here, uh, men, we get to have a little bit of influence. Now, uh, this is also a big influential thing in today's culture. Um, for us older folks, this is the TikTok symbol. Um, and there's a lot of influence here. You will often hear it's TikTok trending. Right? Has anybody seen a lady walking around with a Stanley Cup? You know where she got that? Probably from TikTok because TikTok has a lot of influence on our younger people, uh, on society today. Uh, you can find recipes. Uh, now, a lot of this TikTok stuff also filters into Pinterest or any other social media site. Uh, I was asking Heather about a trend that she had picked up. She said, well, there's that TikTok spaghetti recipe that she found on uh, Pinterest, right? And, and what you find is that this has a, a big influence on society, right? And, and whether it's fashion, whether it's music, whether it's food, whether it's cups that are gigantic and, and probably have a lot of water in them that doesn't get drank, but it has a lot of influence and it, it causes a lot of trends to happen. And just to go ahead and say, not all things that are trending are good things, right? And that's what we've seen through the book of Judges, is this idea of trends happening, cycles happening. And we're going to talk about a, a problem of idols and how that became quite a big trend in this day and age of the Israelite people. And how they really picked up on this trend. And we're going to be in Judges chapter 17 through 18. And don't worry, I'm not going to give it, we're not going to go through it verse by verse. There's a lot to it, and it's kind of confusing, and you're kind of wondering what in the world's going on here. But we're going to be learning about Micah. Don't confuse Micah with the prophet Micah. This is just a, a, a man from the hill, uh, hills of Ephraim, right, from the tribe of Ephraim. Now, we have to remember um, the book of Judges is, is really coming off of the heels of Joshua, Joshua was uh, the historical account about Joshua leading the Israelite people into the promised land. And in Joshua, you find out where the land is divvied up among the 12 tribes. Okay, well, one of those was Ephraim, and they got a, a certain area um, that was right there in the area where Jerusalem, just north of Jerusalem, right? I hope you can see that little area, that little circle. That was considered the hill country of Ephraim. 
And that's going to be important for us to know because we learn about this man, Micah, and his idols. Sometimes if you hear a sermon from this, you'll just hear Micah's idols. And what about those idols and how did those idols affect uh, everything going on? I'll also tell you, don't read this in chronological order because it may get confusing once you get to the end of Judges 18, and we'll talk about that in just a second. No longer in the book of Judges will we talk about a deliverer, all right? Samson was the last deliverer of God's people, last judge of God's people. Now we're just going to see the, the spiraling effect of what happens when you do what is right in your own eyes. And so, if you will, go along with me through Judges 17. We'll go through this kind of verse by verse, but not really. Um, and then Judges 18, I'll give you a synopsis of what just happened. So we're introduced to our, our main character, uh, Micah. He's from the hill country of Ephraim. We just saw where that was. And notice what he says to his mother. The 1,100 pieces of silver, okay, that's a lot of money. Just want to go ahead and say that. 1,100 pieces of silver that was taken from you, about which you uttered a curse, and also spoke it in my ears. Behold, the silver is with me. I took it. Okay, moms and dads out there, how would you feel if all of a sudden you woke up one morning, all your credit cards are gone, all your cash is gone, and then your child comes back and says, hey, mom and dad, I took all that money. Okay, would you be very happy? Would there probably be a pretty huge punishment? Now, she cursed whoever took it, and she cursed her own son. But look what happens. Her son says, hey, I took that from you, and you're starting to ask yourself, what in the world's going on? Think about all the different commands that are being broken here, right? He's lying to his mom. He's not honoring his mother. That's one of your Ten Commandments, right? And he's breaking that. He's coveting. He, he's liking uh, the 1,100 pieces of silver, Notice what then she says. After he gives it back to her, he says, Blessed be my son by the Lord. Okay, Mom, you just cursed whoever took that money. And now I told you I took it, and you're saying blessings from the Lord upon you. Okay, parents, we're probably not going to do that, right? Uh, we're not going to be happy campers. We're not going to be excited if our kids come back and say, Hey, I stole this from you. Uh, here's it back, right? Um, Notice, he restores the 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother, and his mother said, I dedicate the silver, right, 1,100 pieces, to the Lord from my hand for my son to make a carved image and a metal image. So now the mother receives the, the silver back, and she says, I'm dedicating all of this to you. I, I want to give it all back to you, son, so that you can make idols a carved image, and a metal image. Now, this is kind of comical, but notice, now, therefore, I will restore it to you. And when he restored the money to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver and gave it to the silversmith who made it into a carved image and a metal image. Now, remember, how much did she say she was going to dedicate to her son? All of it. Now, we've got mom lying about how much she's giving back to her son. You see how all of this is just not the Israelite people that God wanted, right? There's lying, there's coveting, there's stealing, there's all of these things going on. Now we've got idolatry happening. So what happens? He gets these uh, images, right? These 
little figurines, these idols, and it was in the house of Micah. Verse 5, and the man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod, which is a, a priestly garment, and household gods, and ordained one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You probably can tell why that verse is highlighted. What has Micah just done? And what has Micah's mother just done? What was right in their own eyes? They had no leader. There was no king in Israel. Who should have been the king? God. Were they letting God be king? No, they were being king, right? They were making their own images. Would there have been allowed to be a priest from the tribe of Ephraim? No. So why would Micah make one of his sons a priest? Because he was doing what was right in his own eyes. He had idols created because that was right in his own eyes. He had household gods because that was right in his own eyes. And then verses 7 through 13, there comes a, a young man of Bethlehem and Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed from the town of Bethlehem and Judah to sojourn where he called, where he could find a place. And as he journeyed, he came to the hill country of Ephraim to the house of Micah. And Micah said to him, where do you come from? And he said to him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said to him, stay with me, be to me, and be to me a father and a priest. And I will give you ten pieces of silver a year and a suit of clothes and your living. And the Levite went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man became to him like one of his sons. And Micah ordained the Levite. And the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will prosper me because I have a Levite priest. Well, that seems legitimate now that he's got a Levite priest. The problem is, is he wasn't of the right family to be in the priest. Well, how do you know that, Matt? That's why I have the little arrow out there that's saying to go to chapter 18, verses 27 through 31. Now, this is where I'm telling you, don't look at this as happening right after Samson, right? Because once you go to chapter 18, verses 27 through 31, what you're going to read is that the tribe of Dan, we'll talk about them in just a second, uh, made this young man their priest, Right? His name is Jonathan, and Jonathan is from the family of Gershom, who was a son of Moses. Now, this guy, this priest, this Jonathan, his grandpa is Moses. How many of you can remember your grandpas? I got to listen to some men yesterday talk about the great stories they had, all the life lessons they learned from grandpa. Jonathan's grandpa was Moses, right? And Moses was the deliverer of Israel out of Egypt. Moses helped the nation of Israel enter into a covenant relationship with God. Moses gave the Ten Commandments. Moses preached Deuteronomy, right? He retold the law and preached to these people the law. You think Moses would have had some life lessons for his grandkids? What are his grandkids doing, right? He should never have been a priest. He was not of the family of Aaron. And now he's just kind of doing whatever he wants. Oh, I can be a priest? Cool, I'll do that, right? 
And, and what you'll also learn is that he accepts these household idols. He accepts these images. And he's just kind of being a priest for whoever wants to take him. And you kind of wonder to yourself, why? Why would he not get the message? We'll go back up to chapter 17, verse 6. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that was idolatry. That was uh, whatever it may mean. And so after this, after chapter 17, you kind of see this weird uh, story between a mom and a son. Then you find out this young Levite then becomes a priest of the house of Micah. He's got these carved images, these, this ephod, this, uh, these household gods, and all of these things going on. Well, then we're introduced to the tribe of Dan. Okay, Now, where you have at the bottom of this line is where Dan was supposed to have their uh, territory. That was the land allotted to them. But if you were to go back to Judges chapter 1, verse 34, you'd find out uh, Dan didn't quite do what they should have done, and the Amorites were able to kick them out of that land. So Dan's just kind of wandering around, right? God said, Dan, take this land. Dan said, ah, we can't beat these people. What was wrong with Dan? They didn't focus on God. They didn't let God drive the people out for them. And so now they're wandering around, and all of a sudden, you'll find that they send some spies up into Laish, which is that circle up there. It's called Dan because it will be later called Dan, right? So they send people up into this town of Laish. These spies find out that, hey, um, this place is people here. They live in peace. No one ever seems like they're going to bother them. Perfect place to go in and kill those people, okay? And so all the while in these journeys, these spies also go into the house of Micah. They meet this priest this Levite young man and uh, what happens is now the army of Dan is coming up through there they take the household idols they take the gods they take uh, the ephod and they take the priest with them right and so now uh, the tribe of Dan goes up defeats Laish and Dan becomes one of the biggest um, cultic pagan worshiping areas because they took that Levitical priest with them and with all the idols of Micah's house and now idolatry has gone up into the northern tip of God's promised land all because of a, a, a mother and a son developing idolatry in their families I want to talk to you this morning as we end this sermon about three problems and their solutions concerning idols. I was thinking about this sermon. I thought, well, why don't I just talk about the problems with idolatry, okay? Well, the problem with that is you have no solution to it, right? You're just going to leave here maybe saying, I have a problem with idolatry, and I don't know how to fix it. Well, I want to hope to give you some solutions on how to help the idolatry in our lives. Problem number one, you can't have idols and God. This is a quote from a biblical scholar that said both Micah and his mother are deadly sincere. I want you to make sure you understand that. Are deadly sincere in their religious expression, but they're thoroughly pagan in their actions. You can't have idols and have God. James will call it being an adultery with God. When we try to keep one foot in the world and one foot in the church, we can't do that. 
You can't put your idols up on a pedestal and still say, God is my king. You see where I'm going with this, right? And that's the lesson we learn from these people, right? You have uh, Micah and his mother being genuine about their, their faith, I guess you could say, but they're totally wrong. They're totally pagan in their obedience to God. And some of us find ourselves in that same situation. We have idols in our life. And we also try to say God is our king. And we can't do that. We can't have one foot in the church and one foot in the world and say, I want to be over here. I want to be a part of all this, even though it may take me away from God. But I also want to make sure God is at the center of my life. It doesn't work. So here's the solution. You can have God and no idols, right? How do I fix this idea of not being able to have idols and God? Get rid of the idols. Does that make sense? Does that sound a little too easy? Because it is. But see, when we want to do right in our own eyes, we want to keep the idols and keep God. It's having your cake and eating it too, right? We can't do that. We can't say, I want to keep the idols of enter the blank. But I also want to make sure God is at the number one in my life. Notice what is said here. This is the exchange between Jesus and the lawyer. When the lawyer tries to question Jesus on what are the greatest commands, and Jesus, being the great teacher and evangelist that he was, says, how about you answer that question? I know who you are, and I know what you know. You answer it for me. And this person said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. If you're going to love the Lord that way, is there room for any other idols in your life? No. So if we're not loving the Lord that way, guess what we fill in those empty spaces with? Idols, money, friends, family. All sound like good things, right? But they become idols in our life. And when we put family higher than God, what happens? Uh-oh, we've created an idol. When we put money higher than God, we've created an idol. When we put friends higher than God, we've created an idol. When we put hobbies higher than God, we've created idols. We can't do that. We have to make sure we always keep God at the center, at the top of our life. Next, don't do right in your eyes. Right? This same scholar said, it is, <coughs> it is the source from which the evil springs. And this was this man's commentation on uh, chapter 17, verse 6, where everyone did right was in their own eyes. And this person uh, says, that is where all evil begins. Uh, that's where, uh, that's the source of the evil springs. When we start doing what is right in our own eyes and not doing right in God's eyes, that's where everything could happen idolatry, stealing, lying. All of these things were happening in chapter 17, verses 1 through 6 because they wanted to do what was right in their own eyes. And that can happen to, to us too. We can determine how we should worship God. We can determine how we should structure the church. We can determine what is right, what is wrong. We can determine if those relationships are okay. We can determine if drugs are okay. We can determine if drinking's okay. We can determine if those words are okay. We can do all of that. But would that be right in God's eyes? 
No. And so we don't need to do what is right in our eyes. We need to do what is right in God's eyes. And that's how you remedy that. That's the solution. If you don't want to do what is right in your own eyes and get in trouble for it, do what is right in God's eyes. In Deuteronomy 6.18, it said, uh, Moses said, And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. Simple as that. Do what is right in God's eyes, and God will be with you. Next, your idols will influence others. And this may be one of the biggest um, things that you find in this here, biggest messages you find. Notice, uh, according to the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, talking about Micah in this account in Judges, Micah's graven image, Micah's graven image, thus became the focus of the well-known cultic sinner in Dan. Micah's idols became the center of religion in Dan. That seems pretty wild. Was it Micah that took him up there? No, it was actually another person, right? It, it was the Levite priest, Jonathan, who took him up there. But it all started with Micah. You think our idols can affect people? What if we put money before God? That's hypothetical. I'm not saying anybody does that in here. We put money before God. And you go around to your friends who know that you attend this congregation and they know that we love the Lord here. They know that we study the Bible here. And they know that you put money before God. But hey, you come all the time. What do you think that person's then going to think? Well, that's okay to do. That church, man, they love the Bible there. They must know God through and through. My buddy over here, he goes there, and he is, man, he's money hungry. He's getting all the uh, hours he can at work. He's filling his time with work, so that must be okay. That person's lost, and you help them be loster. You know what I'm saying? You see how this can affect others. The people we put in front of God, uh, the idols we put in front of God can influence people around us. We put our family. Family comes first, then God. Sounds good when you put it into a slogan, right? Uh, sometimes we say faith, family, and God, right? That's kind of contradictory. But we put our family first, right? Even Jesus says don't do that. Always put God first because let's say our family doesn't want you to go to services Hey, I want you to miss. This is my only day off. I want to go out to eat with you. I've heard that happen a bunch of times. And I, maybe you have too. Maybe it's happened in your life. What's the problem? They're trying to convince you to not go worship God. And when they see us not putting God first, guess what they think? I don't have to do that either. So how do we remedy that? Let your God influence others. Be so on fire for the Lord. Be so zealous about doing the right things of God that people can't help but be infected by your love for him. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16 in his Sermon on the Mount. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Don't let people see the idols you have in your life. Let people see the God you have in your life. 
let people see that through how you act, how you speak, how you move throughout your life. So that then they'll do what Jesus says. They'll give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Put God at number one in your life. Uh, Micah's Idols is a great lesson for me, for all of us. Uh, where we can find ourselves putting other things before God. And you may say, it's just church. It's just missing a Sunday morning. It's just missing a couple of Wednesday nights. It's just missing, you're missing time with the people of God and spending time in God's word. And then those things become more important. And so we need to make sure we focus on that and find these solutions. And uh, I don't think they are too hard to do to help fix what may be happening in your life. If you are here this morning and you find yourself struggling with idols and you're finding yourself moving further away from God and further into uh, focusing on these idols in your life, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to study with you. If you want time with me to study and to uh, understand how to grow closer to God and your relationship with him through his word, I would love to be able to do that with you. All you have to do is message me and we can set up a time. And I can sit down with you, and we can study, we can drink coffee together, and we can learn his word together. Because the only way you're going to know God's will is by learning God's will. The only way you're going to be able to know what he wants for you to do is by opening the book where he tells you what he wants you to do. And so if you, have, uh, if you want to find time where we can get together, or maybe you don't have time to get together, you can still ask me about a study that you want to do, uh, about a podcast to listen to, about a, a trusted person who says great sermons that you can listen to on your drives. I would love to make time available for you. Uh, I want to say that I, I truly appreciate the study in Judges, and I, I think we have a great congregation here. And I think that this study has been uh, very beneficial for me in seeing how this cycle can repeat itself. And seeing how people kept falling into this trap of sin, uh, this trap of idolatry, and it all happened when they said, we're going to do what is right in our own eyes. Beware of wanting to do that. Always look to see what God wants you to do. If you have a need this morning, maybe you're ready to become a child of God. You're ready to put Christ on in baptism and have your sins washed away. Uh, we would love and encourage you to make that this morning. Uh, if you have any need, please come while we stand and sing the song of invitation. Uh,